0: I don't know about you, but I've always found these biblical images of shepherding to be fascinating. Not necessarily just because of the novelty of it these days, but because of the way that sheep work. Because sheep as a whole are more docile than many other forms of livestock, and it's almost unrelatable to me. Because in my experience, largely what we were working with was always cattle. Cattle are not the same as sheep. Cattle tend to be very independent, and they're also not very intelligent animals at times, and they're hard to get what you want done to do with them because they don't like to pay attention to directions. Oftentimes, it's just a fight to bring them in, to call them in from the field, and then we try to sort them out, and if we get lucky enough, we get them all in the chute where they're going, and then we finally work through all the cattle, and we finally get them back out where they're supposed to go, only if they're cooperating. And it can be rather difficult. And yet, as we hear this image today of shepherding, that the Lord is working with his sheep, it's rather interesting because today we also celebrate this image of Christ, the king of the universe, something that we would think is altogether different and removed from that image of him as shepherd. Why are we celebrating someone who's a king and a shepherd? What relationship has that to, have they to do with each other? And then what does that call us to do? How does that change and impact our own life? We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and the text that's lifted from this the, from the book today is this particular account of the Lord and the way he interacts with his people. And the best image that Ezekiel is using, the one that the Lord has laid upon his heart, is the image of a shepherd. And so we're told that the Lord is approaching his people like a shepherd, that he's looking to shepherd them in many different ways. So he's looking to bring them into his fold, that all the lost and scattered sheep, he's trying to gather them back together as one flock. And what's more, all of those different ones that have strayed, the lost he's going to seek out, those that are injured he's going to bind up, those that are sick he's going to cure, he's going to do a lot of these things, and it gives us an insight into our Lord and his approach to his people, that he is a Lord that is filled with tenderness, with generosity, with this docility, that he is filled with this abundance and love and care for for his sheep. And so he is that shepherd that is constantly aware of his other sheep and their needs that he's tending to them constantly as a good shepherd would. But then we continue on, because the shepherd is not only a good shepherd, but he's an effective one as well, because he notices the sheep that are independent, the ones that think they have no need of the flock. He's aware of the ones that think that they are self-sufficient, and therefore they are the sleek and the strong. They often get this idea of their own grandeur, and so they don't tend to follow the shepherd very well. And so we're told that he will destroy those, where another way that we could think of it is he's going to chastise them until they follow the shepherd correctly. And so he's working with the house of Israel in very much the same way And so we're told at the very end of this reading that he will judge the house of Israel He will separate the sheep from the goats And this is a foreshadowing of what we see playing out later on in the gospel But nonetheless it gives us an understanding The Lord is acting as a shepherd that he is loving and caring And very gentle with his people and with all of his loved ones We continue on and we hear that same responsorial song, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. And this comes into play as well because we get this idea that a shepherd is simply only doing what is his will. That he's only leading the sheep because he wants to do what he wants to do. But he's actually leading the sheep because he knows what is for their good and what is for their benefit. And even the Lord ourselves for each one of us that we too need to have that docility towards the Lord because if we do follow him, there is nothing we shall want. The Lord is paying attention to our well-being, and he wants for our good. Then we move on to the second reading, and we hear from St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. And he's speaking about this uh, abiding theme of life. That we heard about this very same theme the way that the Lord has suffered and died and risen, and how that gives others hope for life. And we've heard about that for the last couple of weeks when he's speaking to the church in Thessalonica. But he also speaks to that in the Corinthians as well, because he wants them to be aware of the progression of the end of times, because he wants them to know that the Lord has suffered and died so that he can rise again and then those who have also died in him can also rise. And so it's telling us about that great mystery of salvation, the way that the Lord himself suffers and dies and rises again so that we too can die and rise ourselves. And so he's telling about that progression. But then we're also told about a few different things that are going to happen at the end of time, that the Lord is going to abolish all power and authority that does not belong to him that he's going to put everything under his feet so that all bow and they respect the Lord and his eternal rule. And the last enemy that is destroyed is one that no one in the entire history of humanity has ever conquered before, death itself. That tells us just how powerful the Lord is, that as he's establishing his kingdom, there will come a day when death exists no longer, that it will have no sort of semblance of reality because the Lord will have done away with it completely. And so there will be that point in time, and the Lord will bring that to fruition at the end of time. So great is our ruler, our king, and our Lord, that even death itself has no power over him, and as a consequence, if we follow the Lord, has no power over us. And then we finally move on to the gospel according to Matthew. We heard about in the first reading how the Lord is going to shepherd, separate the sheep from the goats, and we see that play out in a very tangible way. They we're told at the end of time the Lord is going to take all nations before him, and he's going to separate out the sheep from the goats. He's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The sheep he is going to address with words of blessing, the ones who were docile, the ones who followed the will of God. He's going to tell them, come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. A stranger, you welcomed me, ill and in prison, and you visited me. That he's telling them that they did everything right. They did everything according to the will of God, or at least the majority of the time. That they were always seeking to do his will. And so they, it's interesting because the righteous, they're sort of confused because they think that they're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and they haven't seen him, they haven't ministered directly to him. So they're asking, they're curious, when, did, when do we minister you when you were hungry or when you were thirsty or whenever you were a stranger, whenever you were naked or whenever you were ill or in prison, when did we minister your needs? And the Lord responds very simply, Whenever you did it for the least of these brethren, you did it for me. Whenever you looked out for the poor or those that were on the down and out around you, and you ministered to them, you were ministering to me as well. You did exactly what I asked. And then he turns to the, she- to the goats, and where the sheep received a good message, the goats received this damning message of indictment. Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is not a fire that was ever prepared for humanity. This was not the will of God for anyone to ever enter into this reality of eternal punishment. And yet some people choose away from the Lord and they choose very freely to enter into those fires. And why do they do that? What was the punishment for? The Lord tells them clearly. I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me naked. You gave me no clothing, ill or in prison. You did not bother to visit me. And then they answer because they're confused, too. They're looking at Jesus and they're saying, when did we see you at all? When were we able to behold your face? When were we able to even minister to your needs? Whenever you were hungry, whenever you were thirsty, whenever you were a stranger, whenever you were all of these different things, when were we able to behold you? And the Lord gives them the simple message. Anytime you refuse to do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And so we're told that they go into everlasting punishment, but those that are righteous, those that are on the right side of the Lord, his sheep and his flock, they enter into eternal life. They receive eternal blessing. So all of this goes together and it paints a picture of the Lord and his kingdom. But what does that mean for us right here and right now? Well, first, it recalls to mind that our Lord Jesus Christ is a king. That we have to remind ourselves often enough that the Lord is ruler over the entire universe. But it's good for us to simply acknowledge that fact every once in a while because sometimes we can kind of forget that. That we just kind of relegate to Jesus that he's just a friend or kind of a companion on the journey, and that's it. But we have to realize the magnitude of the one that we worship, that he is, in fact, the king of the universe. Universe, that even death itself, that one thing that no one in the history of humanity has conquered save one, that Jesus Christ Himself is able to conquer that. He's a king, and not just any king, because he is the king that is super abundantly generous to his people. He is the benevolent king, the king of all creation of heaven and earth. There is nothing that is not subject to his rule. So in fact, he is an all-powerful king, and this gives us a moment to recollect and to recognize that simple fact, because sometimes it's hard to remember and sometimes we can often forget. But then the second part of this comes into play. The Lord is his shepherd. Because we've all heard about kings and different monarchs and rulers throughout the entirety of history, and we know how often they are trying to beat people into submission. They're trying to expand their kingdom, and they're simply subsuming, and they're only really ever looking out for the one person's interest, and that is their own. And that is why we see those two ideas married together today, that the Lord is a king, but he's also a shepherd, because he is the benevolent king. He is the king that is looking out for the well-being of his sheep and those that submit to his authority and to his rulership. That the Lord wants to give us that option, but he's not going to force us into submission. He's not going to force us to follow his will or his design. He's going to give us that free choice that we can choose where we go. But nonetheless, he is a shepherd. He wants to guide us in the right path, that he wants to lead us into communion with him. And he wants to do it ever so gently. He he doesn't want to beat us into submission. He doesn't want to send people in to conquer all of us so that we figure it out instantly. And he wants to give us that free option, that free choice, just much like a shepherd would. He gently and carefully guides his flock, and he loves them, and he loves them through and through. And that's why it's important to have that same idea of the shepherd connected to the idea of Christ the King. But then this draws out what is for us to remember and to think about as we celebrate this feast. In this life, we have two fundamental choices, or we have a variety of choices, but it all centers around this question. Who or what is king of your life? It may not seem like a relevant question, but the reality is that each and every one of us, at the end of the day, every day, have someone or something that is crowned ruler and lord of our life. Is it the Lord, or is it something else? Because in many ways, we live in a day and age of choice. And the problem with choice is that so many of those choices lead us far astray. If you go out and look, we can often crown other things as king that should not be king or should not be queen, that should not be lord or ruler of our life. Take a look around. So many times we can just go into a public place, and what do you see people doing? They're constantly captivated by a smartphone. They're constantly captivated by all sorts of devices, and as much as they might think that they're in control of those devices, those things are constantly with them. And if you remove it from their grasp, all of a sudden they're insecure. They don't know where to turn. That if it's removed from one's grasp, oftentimes it feels as if they've lost something. And that's what it's like to be enslaved to a device, to put that place or that device or that thing in that place of leadership. Or maybe even it's it's money, that it's just that constant pursuit of wealth, that there needs to be more and more and more, so much so that it becomes an idol itself. And so that becomes king of our life, and that becomes the determining principle of everything that we do. Or maybe it's someone else. Because oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, it may not seem like it's a problem this day in this age of individualism, but the problem with this collective individualism is that it's often leading us into a place of confusion, where we're following the mob mentality, where we see panic, we see distress, we see chaos. And because of that, we are so consumed by everything going on around us take a look at the evening news. What's it all about? Everything that's going wrong. And it does that with specific intention, because it's trying to instill that chaos and that confusion, that if we let that rule our life, if we let others rule our life, we will always be slave to that chaos, to that confusion, and to that utter desolation that will take root. And sometimes we can even try to put ourselves in that own position of leadership. Sometimes we can start getting getting concerned with, number one, the greatest of all time, that there's a reason that they were the ghosts, that they were the ones that were on the left, because they couldn't be bothered to follow the shepherd. They wanted to live as they saw fit. They wanted to follow their own will. Whenever they prayed, thy will be done, it was empty, because thy will was their own. It wasn't the Lord. And so they often were consumed with themselves that they weren't even bothering to look around They hadn't even had the chance to look at Jesus in the face because they didn't bother to look past their own nose And therefore they tried to rule their own life But there's a problem because one day there will come something that they cannot conquer and that's death and death in itself and so therefore, one, if they try to lead their own life, they're going to come up against a roadblock either now or later at some point in time where they need the Lord, they need his help, but unfortunately, at that point in time, it could be too late. So who is king? Well, that is where the encouragement comes in today. Because we should be crowning our Lord Jesus Christ as king of the universe, yes, but more specifically of each and every one of our hearts. We should be giving him that pride of place. We should be giving him that throne that only we can provide. Because it's good for him to be king of the entire universe, but that's not particular enough. Because the Lord, he's king of all creation. He is the creator himself. That is true. But he doesn't want to just rule over creation. He wants to be the king of our hearts as well. He wants to be the shepherd. He wants to be the one that leads us and guides us through the peaks and through the valleys of life. He wants to be there along the way to lead us to that kingdom. Because that kingdom, what is it? It's a place of ultimate fulfillment. It's a place where every desire that's ever been laid on our hearts is finally fulfilled in the greatest way possible. That the Lord wants to lead us to that place, and that's why he's not only a king, but he's a shepherd. But he wants to lead us through life, and he wants to do so gently and lovingly as only a shepherd can. That he wants to lead us into that kingdom, into that place of his eternal rule. But the question is, Are we going to choose for that kingdom right here and right now? Because each and every day we have that opportunity. Am I going to live today for the Lord, or am I going to live it for myself or for something else? Each and every week, each and every month, or each and every choice, each and every moment of each and every day, we have that opportunity. Who am I going to crown king? Is it something in my life? Is it someone else? Is it myself, or is it the Lord our God? Because the reality is, each and every day, we need to make the the Lord King. That we need to take our Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to follow His will through this life. Many times it may be difficult. Many times it may ask more of us than we ever thought it would require. But at the end of the day, where is it going to lead? It's going to lead into His kingdom. It's going to lead into the place where only He can take us. But that requires us to do the work. That requires us to crown Him each and every day as King of our life. Whenever we wake up in the morning, who is going to be the ruler today? Whenever we go to work, who is going to lead everything that I do? Whenever we go into our friends or families, or whenever we're in different relationships in life, is Jesus Christ King in these places? Because the reality is sometimes that seems so far removed. But we have that choice, and we have that chance, and that opportunity, each and every choice that we make, each and every day that we live, to crown our Lord Jesus Christ as King. Because nothing else is going to lead us to a place of satisfaction. Nothing else is going to truly lead us where we belong. That if we act like cattle, if we act like we want to go our own way, then at the end we're going to lead to a place of ruin. Then we're not going to wind up where our heart is truly desiring to be, or we're never going to be fully satisfied. But if we allow the Lord to be shepherd, if we crown him king, then where are we going to be led? As sheep, we're going to be led, as faithful, we're going to follow to the right hand of God, where we are going to receive a righteous and eternal reward. But that requires us to do that simple work each and every day, to crown our Lord Jesus Christ as King of the universe, not just the universe as a general way, but in each and every moment of each and every day that we should crown him Lord of each and every one of our lives. My brothers and sisters, that question for each of us to pray with today, Jesus Christ is King of the universe. Are you and I going to let him be king of our heart?